Well, turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. We come tonight to our final lesson in our Parenting Through the Bible series. And uh, I chose to end our series with this passage in part because it's towards the end of the Bible. And if you've been with us for the, uh, the year, we've been working sequentially through passages starting in Genesis and concluding tonight towards the end of our Bible in 2 Timothy, looking at texts that speak to the uh, realities that are important for us to understand as parents. But it's, it's also uh, a passage that's a really fitting summary of much of what we've considered so far. And it, it really helps to pull the pieces together in a way that I hope allows each of us to walk away with some clarity as a parent as we think about what the Bible has to say. You know, the reality is we all need that clarity. You know, Christy and I have five daughters. Three of our daughters can drive. Um, and so it's, it's, uh, it's interesting that whenever it's foggy in Texas, which is not real often, we always get a call if one of our kids is driving and they're like, remind me again, Dad or Mom, like, do I turn my headlights on in the fog or not? Because they're trying to figure out what's the best way to see clearly and to be seen, hopefully, so that uh, somebody doesn't run into us. Now, they want to know how to see clearly. And the, the reality is parenting, I think, can sometimes feel like driving through the fog. It, it can feel complicated and overwhelming, and we can struggle to see things with the simple clarity that God desires for us to have. You know, it's, it's complicated because life and children are complicated. If you think about different things involved in parenting, the, there's the, the joy of providing comprehensive care for your children, thinking about everything from clothes and shoes to food and medical care and education. There's the recognizing and responding to the different strengths and weaknesses that our children have. You know, some kids are shy and need to be encouraged to talk more and interact. Some talk too much and need to learn to be quiet and self-controlled. Some are, you know, difficult to read because they kind of keep all their emotions inside and some wear their emotions on a sle their sleeve. And there's so many different things that are true of children. And, and so parenting can require a lot of attention to that and, and cultivating relationships in those ways. It involves making decisions about the use of time and resources. You know, what activities are our kids going to be involved in? How much of our time and money will we spend on certain extracurricular activities or hobbies? It involves shepherding kids through relationships that oftentimes aren't as simple as we might think they could be, whether that's with friends or teachers or coaches or siblings. And so as parents, we need to see through the the fog of all those details and decisions that are important and that we need to, to be paying attention to, but to maintain a clear perspective on our priorities and the key principles that guide our parenting in the midst of those things. Paul really gives us that as he writes this letter to Timothy. Now, you know, Timothy was a pastor, and Paul was primarily writing this letter towards the end of his life to Timothy to encourage and instruct him on pastoral ministry. But in the verses we'll examine tonight, he not only charges Timothy as a pastor, but he gives us clear perspective as parents because he, he really traces what had influenced Timothy up to that point in his life. He helps us to think about 
how we can impact our children from the time they are young. Let's read it together. 2 Timothy 3, 14 through 16. He says, You, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be adequately equipped for every good work. Now, the first way that we can have clarity in the fog of parenting that Paul reminds us of here is to remember your goal in parenting your children. Remember your goal in parenting your children. You know, there's a lot of things that parents hope for about their kids. A lot of good things, good desires and ambitions, but Paul here reminds Timothy of what he hopes will be true of him, and he does so in contrast to those in verse 13 who are evil men and imposters, he says, who will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. He says there are wicked men, there are men who would, would seek to come across as believers, but who are not, who proceed from bad to worse. And he says, in contrast to that, Timothy, you, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of. The main thing he's charging Timothy to do is to continue in certain things. But there's a a logical and chronological progression here of what he is highlighting that was true in Timothy. Notice he says, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of. So, so what was the progression that Paul said had happened in Timothy and that he hoped would continue? Well, it was that he w- had learned things and that he had become convinced of those things. And Paul is charging him now to continue in those things. That's really a great summary of what we should hope for and be striving for and praying for in our kids. We want them to learn things. You know, this summer Sunday school is a great example where we want them to learn about creation, about what the Bible says, about what God made and how He made those things. But we don't just want them to have head knowledge about that. We want them to become convinced of the truth of those things and to respond appropriately to to belief in in those truths. And we don't just want that to be for a season. You know, we don't just want our kids to, to believe that God is the creator and we're accountable to him and should worship him and live for him this summer and say, yay, we want them to continue in that long after they leave our home and after we're potentially even gone, to see them continue in those things that they have learned in the midst of a world that is hostile to that. So we have to recognize that our goal is that kids learn, but it doesn't stop there. It's not just about your kids being able to pass a multiple choice test about the Bible. And we want them to affirm the truth of God's Word, but not just for a season. We want them to continue in the faith. John Piper, I put this quote on your handout there, said it this way. He says, what we want from the next generation is not just heads full of right facts about the works of God. 
We want heads full of right facts and hearts that burn with the fire of love for the God of those facts. That's our hope for our kids. That's what Paul was exhorting Timothy to do and, and what he was encouraged that would happen because of his convictions and because of the influence of others. So the goal is not simply that they know facts, but that they respond with reverence, awe, worship, love, faith, and obedience. This means continuing in the faith. Colossians chapter 1, verses 21 to 23 talks about how we have been reconciled to God if indeed we continue in the faith, firmly established and, and steadfast and not moved away from the hope of the gospel. Paul wasn't saying somebody can lose their salvation and and fall away from being truly saved, he was saying if if you are in Christ, you will in fact continue. That's the evidence that we are a genuine believer. That's what we want for our kids. Not just a a one-time profession of faith when they're young, but a a conviction about the gospel that lasts through their entire life and bears fruit throughout their entire life. We want them to continue in, in obedience to live out what they have learned to be faithful to Christ for a lifetime. That's to be our goal in parenting, that they continue in the things of the Lord, having learned them and become convinced of them. Now, now can we do that? Can we guarantee that in our kids? You know, in the way that maybe there's other things that you can uh, have, have more of a, a clear impact on as you train your kids. We can't force that on them. We can't guarantee that they will be convinced of the truth of God's word. God is gracious to change hearts, and He is sovereign over that, but He uses the means that He has given us in in accomplishing that in, in many cases. And so we need to have the clarity of our goal, but we also, secondly, need to recognize that your example is impacting your children. It's fascinating to me in this verse where he says, Timothy, continue in the things you've learned to become convinced of. If you were going to give Timothy a reason for why to continue in those things, there's a lot of things you could say. You, you, Paul will get to the fact that you, what you've learned is the Scripture, and the Scripture is God's Word. You might think he would have started with that. You know, it might be because of who God is or because of what Christ has done. But what does he say? Look at verse 14. He says, Continue in the things you've learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them. It's fascinating that Paul recalls to, or helps Timothy recall to mind the people who had taught him these things. The first reason he gives for why to continue is the example and character of those who taught him. Who had Paul or Timothy learned from? Well, certainly later in life he had learned from Paul and and others who had instructed him. But early in life, if you flip back a couple pages to chapter 1, verse 5, Paul has already reminded Timothy that the sincere faith within him first dwelt in his grandmother Lois and his mother Eunice. And he says, I'm sure that it is in you as well. So Paul wasn't just tooting his own horn and saying, hey, remember, I taught you this. (laughs) He was drawing... Timothy back to his mother and his grandmother who had instructed him in these things, verse 15 says, from childhood. See, from the time 
Timothy was a little infant, he had been in the presence of a mom and a grandmother who had been faithful to instruct him and to model what it means to follow the Lord. He says, continue in these things knowing from whom you have learned them. Your example and character matter as a parent. They are impacting your children. John MacArthur, commenting on this text, writes, to successfully learn spiritual convictions from others and to hold them as your own, it is necessary not only to hear them clearly taught, but to see them consistently lived. Another author, J.C. Ryle, quoted, Archbishop Tillotson, in his book, The Duties of Parents, he says, To give children good instruction and a bad example is but beckoning to them with the head to show them the way to heaven while we take them by the hand and lead them in the way to hell. We can say all the right things as parents, but if our example is not reinforcing that truth, we are undermining any instruction and the potential impact. That's why 1 Timothy 4.16, Paul wrote to Timothy and said, pay close attention to yourself and your teaching. It's not just about what we say, it's about how we live. I was an education major in college. I majored in uh, middle school math and science education. And one of the things that you will hear educators sometimes speak of is the hidden curriculum of a classroom. It's not the formal curriculum, the textbooks and the lessons that you're teaching, but it's the informal and sometimes unintentional lessons that are learned in the classroom. You know, if a teacher does a, a, a lesson on boys and girls being equally valuable, but they only call on the boys and never interact with the girls or vice versa, they're teaching something different than what they are saying. In the home... I think that's often true, where we can say things to our kids that are true, but our lives are undermining the, the reality of that truth by how we live. You know, we might say God is patient and gracious and merciful, but if we expect immediate perfection from our kids and are harsh with them when they fail, we're teaching them something different. What you say to your kids matters, but your example will either affirm and strengthen the biblical truth about the Lord and our response to Him, or it will undermine it. Your life speaks volumes to your kids. It, it communicates what to value, whether that's Christ or self, money or pleasure. It models how to treat others, shapes what they think about God. That's why in a passage we studied earlier in the year, Deuteronomy 6 4 to 7, before Moses instructed the people, God instructing the people to teach things diligently to their sons, he said, first, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. These words which I'm commanding you today shall be on your heart, and then you shall teach them diligently to your sons. Your life and mine speaks volumes to our kids. We have to be focused not simply on parenting and shaping and seeing our kids mature and grow, we need to be focused on ourselves maturing and growing. One particular way we impact our kids through our example is, is our marriage. You know, husbands loving their wife as Christ loved the church and wives responding to their husbands with respect and love in return is, is a picture of the gospel for your kids to see the sacrificial love of Christ and the appropriate response to him. 
we need to recognize that our example is impacting our children. John Engel James, in his book, The Christian Fathers, Present to His Children, wrote this. He said, parents, as you would wish your instructions and admonitions to your family to be successful, enforce them by the power of holy example. And he gives this warning. He says, to some parents, I would give this advice. Say less about religion to your children or else manifest more of its influence. Leave off family prayer or else leave off family sins. Now, he wouldn't say, and I I wouldn't say, that that's really an option. It's not a good option to say, well, I'm not really manifesting a lot of obedience to Christ in my life, so I'm just going to stop talking about Christ so as not to confuse my children. No. The right response is to say, I need to be teaching my kids what's true of God and the Scriptures and the Gospel and about Christ, and so I need to be living out those realities in my own life doesn't mean your kids need to see perfection. doesn't mean when you fail, you've blown it and ruined your kids. They need to see how we respond when we're wrong, how we respond to sin in our life, how we humble ourselves and confess that and, and pursue reconciliation of relationships and, and how we strive to grow. But they do need to see that devotion to the Lord. So remember your goal in parenting your children. Recognize your example is impacting your children and Third, prioritize Scripture in instructing your children. He says, continue in the things you've learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. From childhood, or, or even uh, could be translated younger, from infancy, from time you were a young child, you have known the sacred writings, the scriptures. Would that could be said of each of our children, that they would grow up and never remember a time when they hadn't learned and and known the, the scriptures. Why is it so important for our children to know the scriptures, for us to be teaching them the sacred writings from the time they are young? Well, Paul gives us three reasons In this passage, the first he says, you've known the sacred writings. He's referring to the scriptures. We see more truth about that in verse 16 when he says all scripture is inspired or God breathed. It's inspired by God. He doesn't mean that God was the inspiration for it in the way that uh, an author or a, a, a painter is inspired by some other uh, scene, you know, a painter who paints a picture of a mountain may be inspired by something that they saw. That's not what it means when it said the scripture is inspired by God. It, it means to be breathed out by God, that it is God's word. doesn't mean God dictated it. Sometimes he did to the authors, but it means God spoke through those who were writing scripture. Second Peter 1, 20 to 21 puts it this way, it says, know this first of all, that no prophecy of scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. This is God's word, breathed out, spoken to us by God through the human authors that God so moved through the Holy Spirit to write the truth of God. 
Second Peter says, therefore, it's not a matter of our own interpretation because it's what God has communicated. He has an intended meaning for us. So our kids need to know the Scripture because it's God's Word. It's His revelation. It's what He has told us that we need to know. He's the Creator. He's the one who knows all things. And He's given us a book so that we can understand Him, so that we can understand ourselves and the Gospel and live in accordance with His design. Part of that is a second reason Paul gives, that that's the Scripture gives wisdom for salvation. He says, you've known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. It is the Scriptures that give wisdom in order to be saved. Psalm 19.7 puts it this way, that the law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. Romans 10 talks about how faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of Christ. You see, it's the Scriptures that help any person to understand their need of Christ. And it's the Scriptures that are, are transformative and, and that God uses to pierce the heart to bring conviction of sin and the hope of the gospel. Your children need to be saved. My children need to be saved. And the means that God uses to give them the wisdom for that salvation is the Scriptures. It's not just for salvation that we need the Scriptures. Third, the Scripture is also profitable or useful or beneficial. Verse 16 says they're profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, training in righteousness. You, you might think of those words this way. They, they teach us. They teach us the path, the way we should think, the way we should live. When we get off of that path, they reprove us. They say, hey, you're off the path. And then they correct us. They help us to get back on that path. And they train us in righteousness so that we can stay on that path moving forward. The Scriptures do those things. They are useful. All of the Scripture is useful and profitable and is to be instructed to our children. Timothy had known the sacred writings from the time he was a young boy. That should be our goal for our children as well. And if, if that's going to be the case, we have to be committed to teaching our kids the Scriptures. As we interact with them, as we talk with them, using the very words of God to shape their thinking and to help them understand God and the world that He has made. Using specific verses, you know, that can mean printing them off and sticking them up around your house so you can refer to them. It can mean reading the Bible with your kids, as we've talked often about in recent weeks, regular times of doing that with your children. It can mean informal interaction as you're just talking to them about life, scriptures coming to mind, and, and you bringing those to bear on those conversations. If that's going to be true, then we have to have the scriptures filling our minds and our hearts. Again, that's what Deuteronomy 6 said, these words which I'm commanding you today shall be on your heart. If, if you and I are not reading the Scripture and studying the Scripture, memorizing Scripture and meditating on Scripture, we're going to struggle to teach that to our children. It starts with our minds and hearts, and that allows us to be faithful to engage with our children. 
Don't miss the simple clarity of what God calls you to as a parent. It's not easy to make all the decisions about life and their, you know, when, uh, when to do certain activities and when not to, but it is simple and clear that the Scripture is to be the primary source of our instruction to our children. So remember your goal in parenting your children. Recognize your example is impacting your children. Prioritize Scripture in instructing your children. And lastly, emphasize the gospel when interacting with your children. He says it is the Scriptures that are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. He reminds Timothy that what he had learned in the Scriptures was the wisdom needed for salvation. He came to understand the truth of the gospel through the Scriptures. Paul can't help himself but to summarize that truth here when he says it gives you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. There's a salvation needed because God is God and He is holy and perfect and we have sinned. We need to be saved. How can we be saved? Well, it's through the work of Christ, through what He has accomplished in His perfect life and His substitutionary death. And we are to respond to that gospel in faith. Your kids need to know the truth of the gospel. You need to teach them, as I do, about God and about man's sin and about Christ and about how we are called to respond. They need to know the story of the gospel, the life of Christ and and God as creator and, and his plan of redemption working out through human history. Again, we need to be careful, as we've talked in the past, not to oversimplify the gospel. It's more than Jesus loves you. The gospel is, is that, but it is more of that truth. Don't dumb it down for your kids, but teach it to them at an age-appropriate level, keeping the gospel clarity or the gospel truth clear. You know, and the gospel is not just for them. It's, it's for all people. So don't just focus simply on the truth of the gospel, but also the need for the gospel. Your kids need it themselves, but if they never hear you care about anybody else learning the gospel, they're not going to rightly understand the fact that it is so vital and important. Your other family members need the gospel. Your neighbors need the gospel. The nations need the gospel. We should be helping our kids to understand not only the truth of the gospel, but the fact that all people everywhere need to hear and respond to that. And we need to call them to the response to the gospel, the biblical response of repentance and faith. Again, as we've talked in the past, we need to handle that with care with children, not coercing them to respond, not manipulating them to get them to respond outwardly to this truth, not telling them, hey, who wants to go to heaven and who wants to go to hell? You want to go to heaven? Okay, I I think that's a good choice. Here's what you got to do. Not trying to just oversimplify and get them to respond, but properly communicating the gospel and urging them to respond in genuine repentance and faith, allowing time for the fruit of that to be demonstrated in their life, and continuing to emphasize the gospel throughout their life, even if they've already made a profession of faith, continuing to saturate your interaction with them 
with the gospel and how that motivates our obedience to Christ, how it, it pictures how we should think of others and respond to others in living for Christ. So parents, when you and I are tempted to be overwhelmed by the challenges of parenting, by the details of caring for little ones, by the busyness of family life, by the complexities of children and all the different things that come up that you have to juggle and balance and try to keep up with. Or maybe when you're tempted to be overwhelmed by even all the Bible has to say about parenting. Maybe you're walking away from this series and your head is swimming with all the things we've been talking about and all the things that God's Word says. Keep wrestling with those things, but keep focusing on the simple clarity of God's Word. Remember your goal in parenting your children. It's not to have a NASA engineer. It's not to have a daughter who plays in the WNBA, which is what one of my girls would like to do someday. It's not, you know, that they make a lot of money. It's not that they're head of their class. It's that they continue in what they have learned and become convinced of about God and His Word. That's what we are longing for. That's what we are striving for and praying for. And recognize if that's our goal, our example matters. It's impacting our kids. If that's what we want for our kids, they should see that example lived out in our lives. In some ways, you can think of it as it requires offensive parenting, not defensive parenting. You know, so easy for parents to focus on what we don't want influencing our kids. Don't do that. Don't watch that. We need to recognize, no, it's our, our example offensively of, of communicating the joy of knowing the Lord, of living for Him that helps our children to recognize the truth of God and His Word. Prioritize Scripture in instructing your children. When you don't know what to say, When you don't know how to handle a situation, ask yourself, what does God's Word say? How can I help my kids to come back to that? Fill your own heart and mind with God's Word so that it saturates your conversations with your kids and emphasize the gospel when interacting with your kids. Never move past the gospel. Keep teaching them about God, the Creator, about man and his sinfulness, about about the need for Christ and using the different things in life to direct their hearts in that way. I think of events like the horrible tragedy that just took place in Texas of the school shooting and the kids who were young children who were killed and a a horrible picture of the sinfulness of mankind. (laughs) An opportunity to help your kids think about the sobering realities of sin, of death, Uh, of the the hope that we can have because of Christ. Not easy conversations to have, but we need to be committed to instructing our kids in the truth of the gospel. May our children continue in the things they've learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom they've learned them, from you as their parents, from other faithful, godly individuals in the context of the church, And may they from childhood have known the sacred writings which are able to give them the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. May that give us clarity as parents in the fog of life 
to see clearly what God calls us to do. And, and may we strive to be faithful and to encourage one another in that, to that end. You know, so thankful for our study this year, thankful for the relationships and, that have been built. And I, I hope and pray that God's word will continue to marinate in your mind and heart and impact your parenting throughout the summer. I also hope the relationships will continue to spur one another on. You know, that's one of the reasons for this group is those relationships of, of those who are at a similar season of life. Work hard not to just commiserate with one another, uh, to say, oh, yeah, this is, we, we, we can't really keep up with anything either. Uh, that's okay. Commiserate with each other, but also spur one another on with the simple truths that God calls us to keep in mind as parents. May that be the testimony of, uh, of what comes out of our study together and the relationships that we have built. Let's pray together. Father, we're thankful again for this year of study. We're thankful for this passage and Lord, for the impact of faithful parents and grandparents and, and the scriptures on the life of Timothy. We're encouraged to see the fruit of that from childhood, having known the sacred writings and the way that you use the scriptures to give him the wisdom that would lead to salvation and, and to help him to continue in the faith. And we pray that would be true of our, each of our own children. Lord, don't let us get distracted by all the other pursuits and goals that can consume our time and attention as parents. Help us to live faithfully in the midst of this world and all the different things going on, but help us to keep the priority on helping our kids to learn about you and and praying and encouraging them to be convinced of that truth and to continue in it. Lord, use our example. Help us to be humble and growing ourselves. Help us to have hearts that love you and are actively seeking to obey and honor you. Help us to fill our own hearts and minds with your word so that that can be overflowing in our instruction with our kids. And Lord, help us to never move past the gospel in our own minds. Help us to be motivated every day by what you have done for us in Christ and, and help us to call our kids to that recognition as well. Lord, we're thankful for the privilege of parenting. We are often overwhelmed by the responsibility of parenting, but we trust you with what you have given us to do and we pray that we would be faithful and that we would spur one another on through the relationships that you've given us in foundations this year. We love you. We look forward to uh, all that you have in store for our families. In Christ's name, amen.